You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, FanRock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. FanRock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you. You are listening to FanDrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I've got a fun, action-packed show planned for you today. I'm going to have two guests. Uh, already had uh, Corey Parsons scheduled to come on. He's going to join me uh, later on in the show. Of course, you know Corey from right here on Fantasy Sports Radio. Going to talk a little you Darvish, talk a little Yankees. Uh, and then as, as sort of a last-second thing, I'm bringing back uh, somebody who's been on the show a few times, great fantasy analyst and just a great guy all around, uh, Fred Zinke from MLB.com, because he was uh, tweeting earlier today about uh, the – possible addition of the humidor at Chase Field and how that could impact uh, Paul Goldschmidt, obviously, among others. And I just thought that was too good of a topic to pass up. So Fred agreed to come on practically last minute to uh, bring that discussion uh, on the air. So uh, thrilled to have uh, both Corey and Fred on today. But uh, we have uh, a few deals to talk about as well. And uh, unfortunately, also, uh, a couple of uh, notable baseball people who have uh, passed away. Uh, Kevin Towers uh, passed away on Tuesday at the age of 56 from anaplastic thyroid cancer. Uh, he had been the uh, longtime general manager of the Padres and then more recently the Diamondbacks. Uh, uh, just beloved uh, in the baseball community. Uh, so uh, sad uh, to to hear of the passing of Kevin Towers. And then just earlier today on Wednesday, uh, this morning, uh, news came that Oscar Gamble had passed away at the age of 68. He uh, played the majors from 1969 to 1989, his longest stint being uh, six-plus years with the Yankees. Uh, definitely uh, icon- an iconic player from my childhood, dating myself, uh, but uh, uh, Oscar Gamble also, uh, sadly, no longer with us. So um, uh, starting the show on, on, unfortunately, a very sad note. Um, but uh, there have been a couple of deals since uh, the last time we were on the airwaves here. Uh, Alex Avila agreeing to a deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. That news uh, coming to us from FanRag's own John Heyman. And Alex Avila, to anybody who pays attention to uh, StatCast stats, uh, they know that he had a pretty notable 2017 season. I'm going to break those stats down for you and see what it might be, mean in Arizona with or without the humidor. And then there was also the deal uh, on Monday, but after the taping of the show, between the A's and the Royals with Brandon Moss coming back to Oakland along with reliever Ryan Buckter and going the other way to Kansas City, uh, starting pitcher Jesse Hahn and pitching prospect Heath Fillmeyer. So I'll certainly break that one down as well. And several other notes to get through. And, of course, then we've got uh, Corey Parson and uh, Fred Zicke coming on. So lots to get to. Stick around. All of that coming your way right after this break.
Skix sneakers are taking over tailgates and alumni homes across America. Skix canvas high top, low top, slip on, and kids tennis style sneakers designed in officially licensed college colors and logos is a must have for every college fan's wardrobe. Fun, fashionable, and comfortable. Whether you're at the big game or watching the game at home, Skix helps fans perform better. Go to Skix.com and use promo code FNTSY for 15% off your pair now. That's Skix.com. Skix sneakers, the soul of a true welcome back everybody to a sublime episode hopefully sublime episode of fan rag fantasy baseball i'm your host al melchior and we are one segment away from being joined by Corey parsons so very very psyched about that but uh, lots to get to before that, a couple of trades that I mentioned in the first segment. Going to get to those shortly, but also uh, some news from just a little bit earlier today. Mookie Betts has won his arbitration case with the Red Sox, so he's going to earn $10.5 million this coming season. Uh, but yeah, let's get to those, uh, those deals. Alex Avila agreeing to a deal with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And uh, last year, he was uh, hitting with a lot of power. And uh, just, you know, shudder to think what his stats could have looked like if he didn't strike out a lot. Because that's the thing. He had a 264, 387, nice on-base percent there, 447 slash line. Mostly with the Tigers, but uh, got traded to the the Cubs uh, midway through the season. Didn't play as much uh, once he got there. And and also, uh, his stats were much better with the Tigers than with the Cubs. Uh, and He's somebody who strikes out a lot, really struck out a lot with the Cubs, more than a third of his plate appearances. Uh, But even so, think about that, where you're striking out over the season as a whole about 30% of the time and still batting 264 and getting on base at a 387 clip. That tells you something about what he did on balls and play that probably wasn't maybe a little fluky, but not all that fluky because he, he hits the ball really hard, about as hard as anybody in the major leagues last year. And a lot of line drives, using the whole field, everything that you want to see a hitter do to improve his batting average, other than, of course, not striking out a ton. But uh, his average fly ball distance, 344 feet uh, on average. That was the 14th highest in the major leagues for anybody that hit 25 fly balls or more. And his average exit velocity, 90.4 miles an hour. Uh, among hitters with at least 100 batted balls. That was good for 20th place. So that's near elite power by those two measures for uh, Alex Avila. And now he'll be going to Arizona where if you're an Alex Avila owner, you're really rooting for them not to put that humidor in place. And the Diamondbacks tweeted out in a very low-key way in a response to a question they got on Twitter. Uh, They uh, announced in that way that they were not going to make a decision about the humidor until closer to opening day. So Diamondbacks doing their very, very best job at trolling us fantasy owners. Uh, But I think uh, regardless, think about this. Avila put up those nice numbers, again, especially nice nice numbers with the Tigers at Comerica Park, not a very hitter-friendly place. Grades out pretty neutral, but certainly not hitter-friendly. And so if he could do it there, I would assume he can do similarly at Chase Field with or without a humidor. So I wouldn't get too upset about that. 
with uh, Alex Avila. Uh, the other uh, deal of note here, again, between a trade between the A's and the Royals, Brandon Moss and Ryan Buckter going to Oakland. Of course, Moss, this will be a second time with the Athletics. And Jesse Hahn, uh, who's been a member of the A's rotation, he's going to go fight for a spot in the Royals rotation now. And Heath Fillmeyer, uh be a part of the Royals minor league system uh, starting pitcher prospect. So Buckter, uh, nice season last year. I you know, I wouldn't expect that uh, he's necessarily going to be in the running to get saves in Oakland. Yeah, I, I like. Uh, I, I think uh, Blake Trinan is very underrated. I like him, but I don't think that there are very many closers who are really truly secure in their role. So Buckter's somebody to to keep an eye on. Probably not draft in most leagues as a closer in waiting, but to keep an eye on. Very very good at getting a lot of soft fly ball contact. And if you've listened to the show for a while, you know that that's something I really like. Uh, but uh, at Oakland, I think that could go a long way. Buckter's always had home parks that were pit- pitchers' parks, Petco Field, Kauffman Stadium. Uh, so he gets another one in Oakland. So those strong fly ball tendencies, and particularly soft fly ball tendencies, should really help Buckter out a lot. Didn't get as many strikeouts last year, though. A good but not great 24% strikeout rate. That was 32%. In 2016, the swing rate against him went way, way up last year. So he was still getting swings and misses, but also a whole lot of swings and hits compared to uh, 2016. But Buckter still you know, could be very good in holds leagues, I think, good with ratios, okay for strikeouts, and maybe a, a deep, deep sleeper as a closer in waiting. Jesse Hahn, not a great year last year and in, in an injury plagued year, only a fire of a 530 ERA, but he did have a 362 FIP that was lowered mainly by virtue of not allowing very many home runs. And I think that's something that Hahn can continue to do in KC, not only because of the good venue there for Jesse Hahn, but because he's got a nice knack for not allowing opponents to pull the ball against him. So I think that with the venue should help Jesse Hahn a lot, but he's, He's on the fringes of that rotation situation there. Uh, some you Darvish news. We have some pretty much every episode here. He, uh, now according to the LA Times, Andy McCulloch, would like a return to the Dodgers. Now he's still listening to other teams. Uh, apparently he's been talking with the Brewers. Uh, but part of the holdup here with you Darvish apparently is that he and his agent are waiting to see if the Dodgers can clear enough salary to sign him. And along that same note, and in that same story from Andy McCullough, Matt Kemp has a remote chance of making the opening day roster. So the Dodgers are trying very hard to trade him, but even if they don't, he does not apparently stand a good chance of making the opening day roster. Andrew Tolls, on the other hand, uh, McCullough reports that he has completely recovered from his torn ACL and will be competing with Jock Peterson, I would think, primarily for that starting left field job. So uh, haven't heard much about Andrew Tolles in a while. It was good to see that update. A relatively minor signing, but a nice one, I think, for the Cincinnati Reds. They're bringing David Hernandez on board for two years at $5 million. Uh, he had a 3.11 ERA out of the Angels and Diamondbacks bullpens last year and a 1.04 whip. And also in some reliever news, the Mets have just traded Josh Smoker to the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
And uh, let's let's see. This is uh, an exchange for minor league pitcher Daniel Zamora and cash considerations. This trade just went down just uh, within the hour. So just seeing that right now. So Josh, Josh Smoker on the move. And that was necessitated, by the way, because he was DFA'd by Mets a few days, the Mets a few days ago when they re-signed Jose Reyes. The Rockies, this is sort of uh, interesting from MLB.com. Rockies are considering signing one of the following three. Mark Reynolds, that's been bandied about in reports all offseason. But maybe instead re-sign Carlos Gonzalez or maybe not bring back either Reynolds or Gonzalez, but instead instead sign Todd Frazier. <laughs> Todd Frazier in Coors Field? Yeah, uh, that will boost his ADP up, I think, a bit, and rightfully so if that happens. But uh, none of those signings would be any good for Ryan McMahon. And there was a report in the Denver Post, eh, I'd say about a week ago, that said that the Rockies were considering just going ahead with McMahon as their first baseman. So I, I'm not putting a huge amount of weight on either of these reports uh, because, you know, uh, these things did the offseason, hot stove season such as it is, they, they do change all the time. So I'm not uh, going to go overboard, you know, for or against Ryan McMahon. I'd love to see him get a shot. But like I said, also would love to see Todd Frazier Hitting course field, we saw what Mark Reynolds could do last year. I felt like that was very underappreciated. Mark Reynolds, uh, nice season with the Rockies last year. So, um, you know, again, the the main person that this will affect, aside from the three players the Rockies are considering signing, would of course be Ryan McMahon. And this from the Miami Herald, they, there's a report from Barry Jackson on why Christian Yelich was traded before JT Real Muto and basically that they knew that he was not going to be a happy, happy camper staying in Miami. But the one person that has not requested a trade yet, and a little bit surprisingly, is Justin Bohr. So I don't know if I read into that, that Justin Bohr is a Marlin for life or at least a Marlin for 2018, but a little surprising detail there uh, from Barry Jackson's report in the Miami Herald. So I've got a few other items, save those for later. But uh, in the meantime, uh, very, very shortly here, we're going to be joined by Corey Parson and talk a little bit more about you, Darvish, especially with that development that uh, he would like a return to the Dodgers, if that could be in the works. And uh, also some intriguing things that could happen this offseason with the Yankees roster that don't involve big names or uh, a whole lot of uh, money being thrown at free agents. So I'm going to talk to Corey about that as well. But first of all, we got to uh, head for a little break here. And also don't forget, after we talk to Corey, we're going to be joined by Fred Zinke of MLB.com. So lots of great stuff to come. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to be right back. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone. We promise no weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. It be an evening star 
Welcome back, everybody. We're just getting in the right mood here for uh, the next segment of Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And so I think, uh, you know, that we've set the tone. We are ready for Corey Parson. Al, this ain't the tone. This ain't the tone I like to try to set out. It's a little bit too sleepy for me. I lean a little bit more up pace, up tempo. That's more oh, of so the fantasy executive style. You, you didn't request that. No, that was not by request. I, that sounded like opera. I'm not an opera guy. <laughs> Is that was that opera, Al? You know what that jam was right there? Uh I I want to say uh, Enya. Enya, which is not op- which is not opera, although it's you know sort of rhymes. Okay, and I'm being I'm being informed by uh, Mike Florio that that was in fact Enya. Oh, uh, Enya, I'm not familiar with that Enya uh, character. Well, y- you are now. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's news. I'm about to go buy this single. Do they still do they still make singles? Remember the cassette singles you can buy from from uh, Tower Records. You can get the cassette single. Do they still do that, or is everything just on on your phone now? I think it's all on your phone. I mean, that's that's you know, I, I have the, the the spare CD here and there. I'll still throw in the car. But, yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's all it's all in the ether, Corey. Hey, Al, you make music, right? You did I hear that correct? You 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 make music. <laughs> Oh, it's that Law Michaels. I don't. I'm not not trying to compare you. Not trying to compare I'm, you to Law. You know, I love Law. By the com- yeah. I'm flattered by the comparison. I love Lore too. I wish I could play like Lore, but uh, no. I, I you know I fiddle a little bit okay. with the guitar, but no, I'm not on on Lore's level uh, there. So All right, cool. But, How you doing, uh, Al? It's good to talk uh, with I'm, you, my man. I'm I'm good. I know. I don't think I've talked to you probably since the last time I was at the studio. Which that is- was Tout Wars. I got my Tout Wars designation in the, in my inbox from a. Uh, from Jeff Erickson yesterday. Uh, so this is good, yeah, right? Yeah. Well, this is my second season. This is this is my second season. Last year, I broke in as the Jackie Robinson of Tout Wars, and this year, I <laughs> I did well enough to come back for round for a second season of of Tout Wars. I'm in the the mixed league draft. It'll be held online on March 6th. So I'm looking forward to uh. Uh, you know, trying to uh, take the whole thing down this year. So I'm in training right now, so take it easy on me. Which Tout Wars are you in, Al? I'm in the mixed league, uh, the auction. Well, oh, that's the big boy there. one right there. So that's yeah. why I think the, the real big boy ones are the, the only leagues, the ALNL. Yeah. Uh, love to do those some days, but first I got I to gotta master the mix. Well, the mixed uh, league has the star power in it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. It's you, a great group. Yeah, it's, it's, it's you and like. And like the the the, uh, the the celebrities of the fantasy baseball industry, so there, there you well, go, right there. Like, like the guy who's following you up uh, on this show, Fred Zinke. Oh, he is a He'll celebrity of the fantasy baseball industry. MLB.com. He's a multiple time league winner. Some of these big uh, leagues like that. And from what I hear, people that's in his leagues, he's like a a real heavy trader. Like, and then not, not only does he make <laughs> trades, he always wins the trade. <laughs> I would stop I trading with him. Way too well firsthand. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I would stop trading with him. I would. I would stop trading with him. Yeah, I, I've slowed down a bit, but he's just—he's so persuasive. Yeah, that's what which I, is mm-hmm. part. Of, which is part of the problem. It must be—it must be a Canadian thing, the persuasion. <laughs> well, maybe I could do better with that this year. But uh, well, are you, are you ready for some baseball? Because I mean, I know you were—you know—neck deep in in you know football, and I'm sure you're still. Making making the turn here into baseball, but uh, 
Yeah, uh, I'm in the batter's box yeah. right now when it comes to fantasy baseball. I'm in the batter's box, but I'm starting to, to ramp it up a little bit. Obviously, after the Super Bowl, I'll dive headfirst into it and really start to get involved with, you know, some of the things and, um, you know, start to figure out how I want to put my strategy together for this year. So right now I'm still like in, in the on deck circle, but I think we can get some good stuff out <laughs> to the uh, to the listeners today. At least we I can bounce it back and forth for you and then this way um, and then you can let me know if I'm on the right track or not. All right, all right. Well, like you know, I'm doing I, golf I this year too, I, Al. I'm doing golf this year too. How wow. About that? What 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 don't you do? And, and you know, uh, what shows aren't you on? I mean, we, uh, people can catch you. They can catch you right here, right now. But you're on Roto Experts, Old School Fantasy, Fantasy Frenzy, and then so three under par. Three under par is the golf show. It's my is myself, Cam Stewart, and Coach Dennis Esser. He's a good dude in the industry. So, so I, yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on. But you have two children, Al. You know, you have to make sure that, you know, these, these kids get fed. And I got my son is approaching college age, and he's talking about Villanova. And Villanova is a private school, Al. Yeah, I'm well aware, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I hear that. <laughs> I hear what you're saying. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, you're talking about, you know, strategy, you know, getting in the batter's box and, and starting to work out your strategy. And, and I understand it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress, you know, at this time of year for all of us. But is there anything, you know, from – last year in baseball or maybe even you know coming out of this football season that you thought well this this isn't really working the way i, I thought it would or hoped it would and and you know and i'm going to try something different this year you know what i one of the big one of the things that i want to learn throughout the course of this other uh, course of the next couple of months as we push towards opening day is um i'll be i'll be honest with you I, full disclosure i was mortified that i was going to be put in one of the uh the live auctions, and I, I haven't never done a baseball live auction, and I would, and I don't want to be like, what's that, what's the homeboy name that had like forty five dollars left a couple of years ago? Uh, I don't, well, maybe we should say uh, his name, or maybe I'm down to say it if you are Scott Swainy. <laughs> okay, yeah, I was gonna say I remember who it was, but okay, uh, well, you, you you put it out there, so sorry. Yeah, you know, we're well, not no, saying no, it Scott's- disparaging to him, you know what I'm saying? But I don't, I kind of don't want to be that guy. You feel what I mean? So I want to get my auction strategy down, do some online stuff, and then try to. You know, manage my uh, my cap correctly, my two sixty correctly. This way, I can come out and uh, to the live ones one day next year. And I think I got to jump join the only league too and figure out how the only leagues play because obviously at bats are very important. So you got to start doing those deep yep. dives and uh and figure that part out. And then uh, uh and then I'm gonna do some stratomatic too. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm, not getting, <laughs> like, I'm not getting down with you stratomatic. Have, you have more hours. You have more hours in your day and more days in your week than the rest of us if you're if you're doing all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stratomatic is a uh, that's tough right there. But uh, that's where it all started. That's what they tell me stratomatic. You ever was a stratomatic yeah, well, guy? Al? Uh you know I haven't played in quite a few years, yeah. but uh, but I used to. Yeah, that's okay. fun. I love it. Whether it's you know with the dice and the board or it's, yeah. you know the computer game, it's great stuff. Uh, well, I want to ask you about a couple of specific situations here, uh, specific players. You uh, Darvish talked about him earlier in the show. He expressed an interest in coming back to the Dodgers, uh, but they're certainly not the only players. Uh, the Cubs, the Brewers, uh, and the Yankees, uh, you know, apparently all in play. Uh, several other teams, too, but those are the ones I've been reading the most about. Uh, if you were targeting Darvish, would you care 
Which of those teams he pitched for? Obviously, you want him in the National League in one of those bigger ballparks like Chavez Ravine or maybe even a neutral place like uh, Wrigley where, they, where, they, uh, where the Cubs are at. You want him in a place like that because it gives you a little bit – it does a little bit better for his numbers. You get a little bit more bang for your buck if you get you Darvish in the National League because giving up the long ball has been a problem for you Darvish as well. At least it, it was last year. Doesn't really do too well in that kind of weak in that aspect of his game. So I think you want to keep him out of those um, – those smaller ballparks. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense because you're right. That's that's the one, you know, I, I was a glaring weakness, but that's definitely the the weaker link for him. And uh, he's currently going in, in NFBC drafts, fifty first. Uh, that's his ADP in NFBC. Uh, so that's good for fourteenth in ADP among starting pitchers. So you know, if you're talking a twelve team league, that's you know very high end number two starter or low-end number one starter in a 14-15 team league. Does that sound about right to you, or or is he being over or undervalued? I think that's about a good spot for, for Darvish right there. You look at him as an SP1 in a 15-team league. I do think that's what his value would come in as. You know, when you look at some of those guys, well, some of the guys that are going in that range, you know, when you're looking at an SP1, you want a guy that's going to give you that, that baseline of, of 200 innings. Well, close, as close as possible, probably 180 in today's MLB. 180 yep. innings, you want to get over 200 strikeouts. And I think you, Darvish, is a guy that in his career has hit those numbers consistently. So that does put him in that, in that conversation to be an SP1. So somewhere in that Carlos Martinez, Chris Archer, um, uh, Carl, yeah, Carlos Martinez, Chris Archer, Zach Greinke area, I think is a good spot for uh, you, Darvish, especially if he lands on one of those National League teams. All right, yeah, and I agree too. I, you know, I looked at the those rankings, and uh, you know, he finished twenty second last year in roto value, and you know, I looked at that leaderboard, and I could see a lot of guys that he would leapfrog. You know, like Alex Wood, who I think is yeah. you worry about the innings with him, or uh, Chase Anderson, who I think might regress just a little bit. Uh, so yeah, I think fourteenth, fifteenth, that's that's you know where I would uh, rank Darvish as well. But uh, you know, let's let's shift over to the Yankees because there was an interesting piece. Uh, by Joel Sherman of the New York Post uh, just a few days back. And he was saying that uh, Gleyber Torres might have to spend the first couple of weeks in the minors because of service time and all that. But basically, he's he could be good to go, good to go very early in the season. Same for Miguel Andahar and Chance Adams. Uh, would you take a chance on any of those three? And uh, I think 15-team league it seems like a no-brainer, but let's say shallower than that. In a 12-team league, I think you got to look at um, the kid Gliber to be the guy that probably, you know, the toolsy player that he is. He probably has the most bang for your buck when he gets fully healthy and come up. He's a guy that in 12-team leagues, I don't really know if I want to really stash him. Maybe I'll wait to the call-up day. I'm not really big on stashing players because I kind of think sometimes you're playing a game. Like, I did that during the fantasy football season. For example, I stashed Devontae uh, Devontae Booker all season. It didn't work. I stashed Corey Davis. Nothing really came of it. So maybe going away from stashing is, is one of those strategies I would look for this year. But when the player like that does hit, you get a good value on later on, especially a toolsy guy like that that's going to be the future at that base for this team in a, in a little bit. Obviously, the offensive production that he can bring as a member of the New York Yankees is in this lineup. So I think he's the guy that's worthy of the stash. The rest of them, if they hit this year, you know what? Al is just not going to be on my team. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. It's just so much of a roster glut there that is enticing as that is. Uh, I'd rather almost it was on a different team, you know. But yeah, no, no uh, doubt I, I about wanted to, Yeah, I wanted to break that down a little bit more, but I, I see we're uh, we're just about out of time well, we here. We got to do this so, again, Al. We got to do this again because so, you can help me get well, ready. 
And likewise, Corey. So sounds good. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at Tile Wars. But we'll talk way before then. So uh, thanks for joining me, Corey. And uh, have a good one. All right, now. Good times, my man. All right. Take care. All right. Well, uh, Corey Parson, we'll look forward to having him back on again. And uh, stay tuned. Fred Zicky's up next. Most fantasy shows are, well, basically lame. Three warriors emerge from the ashes. Jake Seeley with his power to predict the future. I told you so. Joe Pizapia with his sword of truth. You know nothing. And Chris Meany with the ability to apologize. Sorry. They are the award-winning on-target fantasy every day here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Check the link. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and I'd like to thank, once again, Corey Parson, the fantasy executive, from uh, joining us for that last segment. But uh, we move forward here, and uh, joining us right now from MLB.com, returning to the show, Fred Zinke. Fred, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm excited for some of today's topics. I am too. Well, so excited, in fact, and I, I talked about this a little bit earlier in the show, that when I saw the poll you put out and some of the commentary that you were making about it on Twitter, I said, well, I was going to talk about this anyway in the next show or two, so let me see if I can get Fred on here this week. And actually, uh, you were able to come on today, so I appreciate you coming on on extremely short notice. Uh, but yeah, I am excited about the topic, so uh, let's get right to it. You had a Twitter poll uh, the gist of which was after Trout and Altuve are off the board, one, two, who would you prefer to take as third overall? And and before we do get to the results, you said that this was uh, for you in the, the labor draft. So I take it you do have the third pick in labor? Yeah, I have the third pick. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to make my own decision in the end. That being said, I usually, once I get my labor draft pick, like to float out, you know, the common picks around that number and then, you know, see what the masses think because sometimes the results are surprising. And this time they were a little bit for me. All right. Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah, the choices were Paul Goldschmidt, Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, and Clayton Kershaw, which are good choices. Um, I mean, one of my reactions to that is I might have put Nolan Arenado in there instead of Mookie Betts, but, yeah, I, I can't really argue. Uh, with with those four as, as top candidates, and uh, so what what uh, what was the final result? Yeah, Goldschmidt ran away with it. Uh, basically, you know, triple uh, any of the other options. Uh, I did think about putting Arenado in there. I'll throw that out there. Um, I've kind of decided that if I'm going to draft a hitter in round one this year, I want to get some steals from that hitter. So it's not a, nothing against Arenado. He's just not what I'm looking for if I take a hitter in round one. Uh, I thought it would be closer. I thought that Turner would get. I thought at least Turner would get more love. Um, I was really surprised that Goldschmidt ran away with it. I mean, I, I get all the reasons people like Goldschmidt, um, but when we think about the possibility of a humidor in Arizona, and Goldschmidt was, like, with his bat at least in 2016, like, good, but not totally blowing you away. I, I don't know. I was surprised that so many people were, were so firm on him. So was your surprise just by the margin of victory for Goldschmidt or that uh, you actually you know, thought that somebody else altogether made more sense as the number three player taken? 
No, I, I thought Goldsmith would win, but I thought that his, with four options, I thought his total count of the vote would be, you know, maybe even less than 40%. Uh, so when he was just far ahead, you could tell even in an hour that he was going to blow everyone else away. And and, and you don't know in a Twitter poll, maybe everybody that voted for Goldsmith was just barely taking him over one of those other options. But it seemed as though, and then from some of the responses I had, uh, it seemed as though people were, were felt like he was pretty automatic for that third pick. Now, did you see the tweet that the Diamondbacks sent out uh, today? And, and you can't be blamed if you didn't, because it was actually a reply to somebody asking them what the news was on the humidor. Um, so they, they tweeted out that they, they're not going to decide until closer to opening day. Um, I just, yeah, that was kind of interesting the way that they, they put that out there. But um, how much of a difference does it make to you with Goldschmidt? Well, to me, it makes at least a little bit of a difference. I mean, when you're picking third overall, you're looking for, you know, just the perfect, like the perfect combination of security and upside. And and Goldsmith could very well be that. Uh, That being said, the humidor does throw a wrench into the plans. And the fact that we don't know, it means that maybe you have to, to bake a little bit of humidor impact into your projections. And, you know, I, I felt like once, once you look at that, I don't know if Goldschmidt is necessarily say safer than Betts, who is coming off two straight seasons of 2020 with a hundred and a hundred, uh, you know, and, and is much younger. You know, I, I don't know if Goldschmidt has the upside that Turner does or that Kershaw does. So I think it's a real debate at pick three. I, I originally said that I wasn't really happy about getting pick three, but just because I think there's a drop off there after the big two. And I maybe would have rather just been fifth or sixth or even just way later and let the other drafters kind of make the decision for me. I, third's not the end of the world, but, uh, and I get why people like Goldsmith so much, and, but I, I don't think it's an automatic that he goes third. Uh, yeah, no, clearly it's, it's not. I mean, and there was, you know, some support for the other three, uh, even though Goldschmidt ran away with it. Um, I, I want to actually go back to one and two for a moment before we, we talk some more about Goldschmidt, because, uh, you know, you said there's a big drop off there. I had, uh, Jeff Zimmerman from, uh, Rotographs on the show a few weeks back. He did this, um, value grid, um, you know, based on where you draft and the number one pick in the first round was just so many dollars more than, you know, even number two and, and everything be behind it. So, uh, you know, basically the argument was that, you know, you can win if you don't pick first, but you, you, you really have to, you know, kind of play error free in the rest of the, in the rest of the draft. Um, do you feel this, the, the same way in terms of that? There's uh, a great distance for between, Trout and Altuve, and then I would assume from what you just said, also from Altuve to, to Goldschmidt. So I actually think I agree with Jeff, and I think the difference between one and two is massive. And I, I, I like what you said. I think almost if you're in a snake draft this year, you're hoping that the person who picks number one just makes some poor picks along the way or doesn't manage their team that well uh, because they're off to a, a great start. Uh, I even think some leagues, I think the difference is great enough that some leagues could have some fun with maybe having some blind fab bidding or something like that for the first pick in their league this year uh, to see who really wants Trout the most. I think the drop-off to Altuve is huge. I don't think the drop-off from Altuve to the other players is huge, but I think the security from Altuve, just with him having been so durable, he's in such a great lineup, his skill set so diverse, I think the security is much greater. So I, I don't think Al, Altuve in my rankings doesn't come out way, way ahead of players like Goldschmidt, Turner, Betts, but he just seems so much safer that to me he's just an automatic at number two in any league that has anything similar to, to standard scoring. 
Uh, okay, so clearly, uh, you know, you're buying into Altuve because of the, you know, the consistency and the security and the the well spread out production across the categories as as a clear number two. Um, I, I will admit, I'm having some some mild second thoughts about that, or at least kind of opening it up, uh, you know, for more more research on my part because I, you know, the strikeout rate for him it was still very low last year, but it was much higher than it had been. Uh, you know, uh, somewhere between 12 and 13 percent, you know, whereas he's typically been a single digits guy in terms of strikeout rate. Does that worry you at all? I mean, do you think there's any room to debate Altuve as number two? I think not really. I I know what you mean. I think that like if you dissect anyone enough, probably you can come up with something. But I just I think the (laughs) fact that their lineup is so good right now. And then he's hitting now right in the heart of it. Uh, I also I think that often as a catch twenty two with players, where it takes them years to build up what we would call like security and stability in our fantasy eyes, and then by that point, the time they built all that up, they're on the downside of their trajectory. Whereas Altuve's built it up and is still so it's still young enough that I don't think we're at the downside yet. So. Uh, to me, it's just seems so similar. Uh, I was doing some research the other day, and I noticed in the last four seasons, he has three of the top six single-season batting averages, which is just remarkable. And no one else has two, and I think, I think two of the top 14. Nobody else has two of the top 14. He has three of the top six. So even if the strikeout rate costs him a little bit of batting average, like he, he still you know, is one of the best batting average assets. Right. I mean, even with regression, you know, maybe so he's a 310 hitter, <laughs> you know, that's yeah. uh, still not, not yeah. that common these days. So that's, you know, that's well point well taken. Uh, but getting back to Goldschmidt. So when I, you know, I saw your poll in your comments, I just thought, well, isn't he somebody who just sort of transcends park factor? So I was surprised to see that the last two seasons, his power splits are quite lopsided in favor of, of his home splits. So, uh, you know, and I just, I, I look back further because I was still sort of a disbelief of that. And it's really purely a phenomenon of 2016 and 2017. So do you have any particular reading of those tea leaves? Is there something different about Goldschmidt the last two years that he would be more vulnerable with the humidor? Or is this just kind of fluky stuff uh, that we shouldn't worry too much about? Fred, do we still have you? Uh, I think we might have lost Fred. Uh, so, uh, are you still there? Okay. Well, uh, I guess uh, I will continue on. I, I uh, feel bad. I may have to bring bring Fred on then at some other point. Um, so, the, the point I was just getting at there was that uh, the last two years – much, much better home splits in terms of isolated power and home run to fly ball ratio. But, um, you know, I'm not really too worried about that because, like I said, I, don't, I personally do not think there's anything that's really different about Cole, Paul Goldschmidt as a hitter the last two seasons that makes him somebody that you have to worry about, uh, worry about splits with. Um, so I don't know what to chalk that up to, but you know what, sometimes in one year or even in back-to-back years, things happen with splits that, uh, you know, they're just, they're random, they're inexplicable. So, uh, Fred to unfortunately isn't here to, you know, agree or disagree with me, but from his comments, uh, online, I, I would think that, you know, he, he puts some kind of weight 
into those recent home splits. And I just think even with that notwithstanding, he's somebody I'm not going to worry about park factor with. I mean, if he somehow were, you know, traded to the Giants, I know it's, you know, silly and crazy, but I'm just saying I wouldn't worry that much about his production, at least in terms of the park factor. Now, there may be something there in terms of the lineup that's around him. Uh, I don't want to get, you know, too off tangent here. But, yeah, I think for me, Paul Goldschmidt is easily the number three hitter behind Trout and Altuve. No question. And I may even, like I said, if I were to question Altuve, then Goldschmidt would be the the guy that I'd be uh, ranking second. Anyways, I apologize for the loss to Fred Zinke, but uh, I will definitely have him back on again at some point, hopefully soon. And in any event, check out his great work at uh, Fantasy411 over at uh, MLB.com. And uh, meanwhile, we'll head for a break right now, and we'll be right back with more news and analysis. What's up? It's Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive, here to tell you about the all-new Fantasy Frenzy. That's right, the Fantasy Frenzy. Not the Fantasy Football Frenzy, but the same trio of dynamic fantasy sports and analysts. That is myself, Corey Parson, the Fantasy Executive, Wall Street, Matt Medica, and the all-in kid, Jake Seeley, better known as the Accuracy Expert. Each and every day at 10 a.m. East, we get the Goon Squad back together to bring you the latest news and entertainment in fantasy sports. It's the all-new Fantasy Frenzy right here on FNTSY Radio. Back everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and I'm your host Al Melchior. And uh, again, I apologize for uh, losing Fred Zinke for about the last two minutes of that last segment, but uh, but uh, glad that he made it for uh, the whole rest of the segment. Great stuff from Fred, as always. Good analysis. Uh, so uh, uh, hopefully, won't be long before we'll get uh, Fred back on here. Uh, again, so uh, I want to go back. Well, actually, first I want to go back to. Uh, something I talked to Corey Parson about earlier in the show with uh, the Yankees and this report from Joel Sherman about uh, that maybe go with a, a few of the uh, young prospects even early on. But uh, before that, just a, a few uh, items to, to uh, just uh, finish up here. Alex Avila mentioned that uh, deal with the Diamondbacks earlier, an agreement. We have more information now. According to uh, FanRag's John Heyman, uh, Avila's uh, deal is for two years at $8.25 million. Uh, that will be final upon uh, uh, upon a physical. So it's all but done. And also uh, a few minor league deals that I did not mention uh, in the first segment that uh, the Giants are cornering the market on all of the Blancos. They have re-signed uh, or brought back uh, Gregor Blanco, who spent uh, some time with Giants in the, the Giants in the past. And um, you don't have to, I think, look too hard to see what the idea is there with bringing Gregor Blanco that because uh, all indications have been so far this offseason that they're looking at a uh, platoon situation for center field. They signed Austin Jackson recently, but he'll be the right-handed half. The left-handed half would be... Um, uh, the uh, prospect uh, uh, Duggar, uh, who unfortunately I'm picking a really great time to uh, uh, blank on his uh, first name, but um, 
so uh, it would just appear that uh, Blanco, uh, Gregor Blanco, is uh, uh, just going to be insurance for that platoon. Uh, but then they also signed Andres Blanco, who had a very nice run as a utility player for uh, for the Phillies last few years. And uh, so he'll come in and uh, have a shot at uh, filling a similar role there with the uh, San Francisco Giants. And it's Steven Duggar. Really complicated name for me to remember. <laughs> Steven Duggar. I apologize. Uh, and uh, also Jonathan Neese signing a minor league deal with the Rangers where there's actually some opportunity there. So yeah, this piece uh, in the New York post uh, earlier, uh, actually I think it was over the weekend uh, saying that uh, the Yankees may be willing to go pretty early in the season with uh, Miguel Andahar at third, Glaber Torres uh, at second and chance Adams. The chance Adams part of it to me is really interesting because it, it seems like they should be pretty set in that rotation. So as somebody who really likes Jordan Montgomery, that makes me uh, a little bit sad, even though I really like Chance Adams. There's just not enough room for everybody in the Yankees lineup and in the rotation. And on top of all this, they're apparently considering some free agents. Mentioned uh, Todd Frazier. It's a possibility for the Rockies. Uh, bringing him back is something apparently that uh, they may be considering. Maybe considering uh, signing uh, a free agent pitcher like Andrew Kashner, Jason Vargas, or Chris Tillman, uh, according to this report. So, uh Yankees are uh, far from done from shaping that opening day roster, to be sure. Uh, but will be uh, really, really intriguing to see, uh, you know, if they make room for uh, for the prospects. Because it seems like the Yankees, you know, more so maybe than other organizations, uh, you know, they've been able to afford to take their time, you know, or or trade those prospects. So, anyways, on that note. Got to wrap up here. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be back here again on Fantasy Sports Radio, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific uh, on Friday. So look forward to seeing you then. Thanks for dropping on by and stay tuned for Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Have a good one, everybody.